Welcome back to the Activist Podcast. This is the podcast where we give you insight into current social issues through the perspective of those fighting for change. I'm your host, Zeke, and in each episode, I have a conversation with the guests who will tell you about their story, their mission, and how you can help as a member of this activism-driven community. If you have someone you think we should interview or you would like to be interviewed, DM us on Instagram at activistcommunity or myself at z.alard. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Okay. Um, my name is Cody Two. Um, I'm a sophomore at the Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Um, and I am the head graphic designer at Impact Media, the social media page. So for the past three months or so, I've been har- um, working hard on creating infographics and designs to help um, the Gen Z audience, for the most part, digest um, serious topics, my latest one being on anti-homeless architecture, which was a big one for me, and I also uh, just really like to focus on systemic racism, uh, ways you can be an activist, and just trying to create non-clickbait content and not water down any important um, any important issues or desensitize anything. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Activist. So let's just start, let's just go back a little bit and start about your background as a graphic designer. How did you become involved in graphic design? Uh, I grew up in a family of artists, I'm going to be honest. So when I was a kid, um, my brother is really artistic, like he's very good at drawing, very good at painting, um, and he's very good at music, so he was always just like the artistic kid in the family, and I was the kid who was always on the computer. And so, after this, I slowly just, um, I wanted to stand out in some way, and I remember when I was a kid, I thought those like the sports edits were cool, of, like people making these cool graphics of their favorite sports players, like their favorite athletes. So I'd make them to try and get like these athletes' attention. And like frankly, I don't think I ever did, but it really um, got a start for me in Photoshop, because um, my mother's also a graphic designer. So I've been very, very lucky to have the Adobe Suite my entire life and just have access to such powerful software and someone who can teach me. Ashley, how would I have you describe what Impact is all about? Okay, so basically Impact is, we're, we're a small team of um, mostly queer BIPOC creators, um, myself being non-binary, um, and it's like we create um, many just digestible posts like if you wanted to base so there's like obviously there's a lot of infographic pages but impact i try and make sure as the head designer that we just don't clickbait and we make designs that are informative have lots of sources and you're able to like it's it's like a good starting ground per se like you read our post oh i learned something here let me go to these sources and read more 
Like it's it's like a good launch pad for you to learn about such serious topics. Well, what goes into making one of these posts? Like, can you take me through the process? Like, do you research, think of an idea, and then? Uh huh. So we at Impact, thankfully, we have content writers, which is so lit. So the content writers every Monday they'll come up with ideas, and they'll find content to write about, and I'll get assigned the content and I'll design it. And so the content writers and the designers work hand in hand. So it's like a well-oiled machine. Sometimes if there's something that's really bothering me, I'll straight up just make a design about it. Like uh, Huawei recently created, um, or there was a patent that got leaked over them having software on their phones that could um, reveal who was a Uyghur and who wasn't. And that's like a gigantic privacy risk concern as a... Um, and as an Asian American um, whose family is from Hong Kong, I was just like... This is pretty ridiculous what mainland China is up to. And so I, I sent that over to my boss and I was like, I'm going to make a post about this. And they're just like, go ahead. And how long does it usually take like uh, to go from the content writers, like creating content to a designer like you making it? Like what's the time process like between plan and then posting on Instagram? Um... So it usually takes like a few hours for them to like write it up and then it'll take me maybe about a 30 minutes to up to two hours usually to make an infographic or a design. And then they'll usually get posted sometimes same night, sometimes in a few days, sometimes a week, but usually within yeah, a week. Yeah, definitely. And I'm definitely familiar with your work. I've seen it all over Instagram just whether it's from the Impact account itself or just other accounts have reshared and reposted your work. So yeah, definitely, definitely are making an impact, no pun intended, on Instagram. So how to become involved in Impact? Because, you know, Impact is quite a large account. It's one of the larger accounts that do this type of work. Last time I checked, you guys have a million followers. So how does someone like you get involved in an account this big? Um, so frankly, the way it all started was I really just wanted to be able to, as a designer, and I go to a very, very like left leaning school, like ridiculously left leaning. Um, and so I was like, there are all these people and I'm an artist and I'm a designer at that. Like, how can I use what my skill set for greater good? And I remember seeing this one post because I'm from Boston, it was like alternatives to calling 911 in Massachusetts. And so I took a look at that and I was like, this is pretty hard to read because it was horizontal. And I was like, I want to make this so anyone can just save it and like have this in their back pocket. And so I redid the post. I asked for permission to redo the post. And then from there, that post kind of blew up and I was like, I can really do good by like just doing this like use my design for greater good and then from there I just I would look at things that made me upset or like were good talking points and I would create thing I would create like designs and just infographics to basically like get my point across or to get a general point across a big one for me was the um desensitization of like the Black Lives Matter movement especially with like the whole the Manny, the Manny uprising and like the Hello Kitty A cab and how it was just like Gen Z being kids and trying to make everything a joke when this shit's literally not a joke. And so 
I made that one, um, had some work. There was an article that I found online, asked the author for permission to repost and add on to it. And they said yes. And so then I included some words from Jeff Kinney, who actually um, disapproved of the Manny, the Manny ACAB. And so from there, that post gained a lot of controversy. I think it's like my most viewed post on my entire profile. And I gotten, I had some really good conversations th from there. But then the post that got me discovered by Impact was one that it was actually, I never intended on it just like getting anywhere. But one of my, um, one of my friends was seeing this one guy um, who was really white and he was like using the N-word and... Um, just like appropriating culture that wasn't his. And so I made this one post that said like, you can't be anti-racist um, with a with a racist significant other. Because she was at BLM protests, being like in the street. And I was just like, you're contradicting yourself by staying with this person. And like, you're not doing yourself any good. And that post was the one that got me discovered by impact. And from there, I literally just, like, DM'd them. I was like, hey, if you guys need any work done, like, I'm here. And at the same time, the um, the founder of Impact, Tim, DM'd me back at the... And he was just like, we'd love to have you. And so from there, it was kind of just, like, in mutual agreement. And then I signed paperwork later that month and started working at Impact. Wow. And yeah, I'm definitely familiar with that post. Like, I remember seeing it. I was like, yeah, like, because uh, like uh, that post basically described like how I was feeling a couple of my friends feeling. We we're just like, wow, th there's literally a post or everything. Like, yeah, I remember seeing that post circling around. So it's kind of surreal that I'm here talking to the designer behind that post. So I'm actually glad that you brought up a uh, this whole Gen Z trend of just trying to make everything a joke. You know, I definitely think that Instagram and digital activism has a role with at, at the larger activism in general. What are, what were your thoughts on the Instagramification of the Black Lives Matter movement this past summer? And I guess in general now, like, like I've been, I've been, I, before all like my graphic designing, I was a photographer. So I did a lot of photojournalism. Um, back in Boston, there was a, um, there was like a Trump rally in like 2017, like four years ago now. And um, it was like literally the, there were neo-Nazis there. Like this shit was, it was real. And so I went into the street and like there were people calling my friend like the hard R and we, it was so crazy. And so I was, I would like be there documenting these things because it was, it was shit like I truly believed in. Because, um, because I remember when I was younger, I saw that um, Barack Obama had authorized for like the SWAT team to go to Ferguson. And I was like, this, this isn't right. And nothing of that like really ever sat well with me, like ever since Trayvon Martin. And so like, I've, I've been just like very passionate about such topics and to see like a lot of people on social media desensitizing it and like literally just putting it in their bio. Like, do you really give a shit? So I'm just like, I don't know. It's like, I really do appreciate the widespread, like the spreading of all this and people are getting way more educated through social media. But then there's also um, a sense of performatism, which can be seen through a lot of people. 
And it's just like you really gotta ask the question of, do you really care? Yeah. And I struggle with uh, that issue, that very issue myself this summer. Like, uh, I sort of became like a mini activist. Not that I was an activist before, but this summer, I don't know, I just came kind of like a beacon in the communities I was involved in, like my old high school community, my current college community. I guess like I just took to Instagram, voicing my opinions, you know, and just like people were following me, reposting my stories and stuff. So in a way, I had like a mini following and now I really struggle with this because a lot of people are asking me like, how can I make sure that I'm not being performative? And basically the answer I was giving them is just like, as long as it's coming from a genuine place and you won't be performative, but if you're only doing things like the Blackout Tuesday where you're just posting a black square, like that's performative if you're just reposting content. But like, maybe if you're adding your own opinion to it or saying why you're sharing this and why it's important for you to go read through this post, you know? And a lot of people think there's a fine line between performative activism and not a non-performative activism, like genuine activism. And I don't even think that's the case. Like, it, like there's a clear difference between being performative and being genuine. Like, you can always tell who's being performative, which you know, you know, which is a problem with Gen Z. Like, our lives are on the internet. We grew up with the phones in every hand since we could walk. So. I don't know, that just really pissed me off this summer, just seeing so many people being performative. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Like, like if you hit the street, I'll know, like, you're, you care. Like, if you're out just, like, with other people and just, like, protesting, then I know, I'll know you care. But it's just, like, these people who will post the black square and then, like, after that they're completely silent or they'll just leave, like, a card link in their bio. They won't donate or anything. I'm just, like, I'm like, okay. It's, like, I... I see like this like this tells a lot because um, earlier in I th it was like early June I created a um I make t-shirts and like other designs in my free time just being like a freelance artist so I made um a cab t-shirts with all proceeds going towards mass bail um and I raised like four hundred dollars and that was super dope um a bunch of people just like from around the world someone from Sweden actually bought one which was crazy um, considering I did like zero advertising. Um, but yeah, that was something that was like really impactful to me. Just like being able to donate money when I could being like a smaller artist at the time and being able to use my following for greater good. So I think that's like something that's just like pushed me ever since just be like a better person. And speaking of following, you know, obviously being the head designer of impact impact having a million followers do you feel a sense of responsibility uh influencing so many people on the internet with your designs like i know you stated that you give sources so people can look more info try to not do clickbait but you know if i was in your position i would assume that you know i kind of feel like the sense of responsibility you know because you're influencing all these people especially in this new age of like fake news yeah, like a thousand percent, um, because there's literally 1.1 million followers who at a time can see our stuff, um, and that's like excluding people reposting it. It's really crazy, and it's like, I'm, I used to be so afraid of looking at these numbers, because it's like, this many people are seeing my posts on average, and, um, just creating things that's like, not misinformation, like, that's pretty hard, because... 
I had to make a post um, pretty recently um, that was talking about Palestinians not receiving the vaccine. And a lot of um, like pro-Israeli people were coming into the comment section, my DMs being like, this is misinformation. Like, please take the please take this down. Like you're slandering the you're slandering Israel. And then like they would back it up with certain um, Zionist um, Zionist publications. And I'd be like, um, I was just like, okay. But it, in some things, like, I feel like it's not my place to speak in because, one, I didn't write the post, and it's, like, two, I'm, I'm not educated. Like, I can't say I'm educated enough to speak on this topic. And it was just, like, crazy seeing how much negative backlash we were receiving from this post. Um, so it was just, like, okay. Um, I feel pretty responsible for designing the post. But there's a certain line between, like, information that your government is telling you and stuff you believe in, and stuff that's, like, actually happening. And I guess, you know, now that we're on the topic of misinformation, just, you have, do you have any tips for people out there, just, how do you help to spot misinformation? Like, what tips and tricks do you use to make sure that the information you're researching is credible, you know, is truthful, and unbiased? I usually just, like, go on the BBC like truthfully um and like i look at other um sources that are outside of the u.s because everything in the u.s is biased um often just like reading commentary that you can find um from just like again non-american sources or like world reporters um and just being able to find that same information on multiple pages of credible sites that's Honestly, what I can say is, like, the best way of finding information that's, you know, truthful. Um, so we see a lot of lying. You know, outside of graphic design, are there any specific issues that you are super passionate about? Uh, I really care about, like, I'm really interested in sociology. And just the, um, because I grew up in Boston. And the area I grew up in Boston is, like super super wealthy now um i'm huge into the issue of like gentrification and income inequality because boston is a city with like a gigantic wealth gap like huge 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 wealth gap um because most of the white community lives in like the city city of boston like downtown and like the north end like these really nice places that not many people can actually afford just because one generational wealth and two just rent prices are ridiculous like average studio price being nineteen hundred dollars a month um and then you see all these people of color who are concentrated into areas outside of the city which are coined as dangerous or like filled with gang activity and violent and in some cases they actually are but I've, that's a that's like a direct result of gentrification um due to just all these people being pushed into a certain area and it becoming overcrowded yeah i can definitely relate to that because you know being from brooklyn like there's definitely gentrification going on and you know, it's just sad, like, seeing uh, what used to be, like, all black neighborhoods or all BIPOC neighborhoods just, like, slowly being taken over by just, like, uh, 
the white community, like, uh, I have a perfect example of this. Like, I used to take the train to school from, I went to the same, my other school was the middle and high school. So I took the same train from sixth grade to my senior year, 12th grade. And just bit by bit, it was about maybe nine stops, eight to nine stops on the train for me. And uh, like each year, like going home, there'll be more and more white people getting off later on into the train station. Like I literally saw gentrification happen in these certain neighborhoods that were along the train route. I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like I'm literally witnessing it. And I just kept matching just like all these, uh, uh, communities of color that are now just being displaced, their history and culture just being erased. So, yeah, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. You said you're from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, east side of Brooklyn. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I you definitely see it in Brooklyn. Like it's absurd. Like actually, just um, the amount of out of staters who can afford like this crazy rent. Like in the same with Boston, it's just like it's crazy, crazy rent. And you can see it, especially in Boston, like even the farther you go out, there's luxury high rises everywhere. And like the rent on them is crazy. Like, it's just like, who would pay so much to live here? Like, I remember seeing a studio that was like three grand. Like, who has who has three grand to shell on the studio? And it's definitely not like, BIPOC, well, exclusion of most Asian Americans as we're the wealthiest in the wealthiest in the United States. But generally speaking, um, most BIPOC cannot afford these places. And it's like generally excluded to white people or the 1%, like upper middle. Mm -hmm. And I think gentrification goes hand in hand with wealth disparity in America, especially just with the huge wealth gap going on between, uh, certain communities and other communities of color, you know? So, obviously, you're an accomplished graphic designer. Do you have any pieces of, of advice that you would give either to your younger self when you were starting, or maybe just a graphic designer that might be out there listening to this, hoping to get involved in graphic design? Uh, just the internet is your friend. Um... I wish I honestly, like, started even earlier than I did. Like, I started, I think, when I was, like, 13. But if I could start even earlier and I got, like, an, if I had more willingness and art, just, like, to not let up. I think that's, like, a huge thing for me. And um, take breaks. I don't, I work too much. Like, I realize this, like, I'm 20. I work way too much. It's, like, really important to find a very healthy balance between your work life and your, just, like, your life in general. Because sometimes I spend up to like 40, 50 hours a week just like designing things. And that's health. That's not healthy by any standard. Um, so I think it's really important just to, especially doing anything creative, just to really give your give yourself some time to take a break, like heal. Just like don't think. Just so you can have a clear head. And then, you know, obviously you put a lot of time and effort into your work. And you said you go to college. Do you often find it difficult balancing your time between just school, social life, and uh, designing? I'm going to be honest with you and say that I barely passed last year, or like last semester, because I didn't spend enough time on my schoolwork. Like I was, I'm like a B student, 
which if I tried hard, I could get straight A's easily. But I just found myself being really unmotivated by school and having no desire to actually do schoolwork. So I'd spend, like, towards the end of the semester, I'd spend myself doing a ton of impact work during school, like during class. Because it's just like I couldn't focus on, like, mundane topics. So I think just finding a healthy work-life balance is good for anyone, regardless of what you do. Yeah, and it's definitely last semester. I think that was one for the books for just students everywhere, you know. You just had so much going on in our country. We were still de dealing with the pandemic. And then, you know, now schools are asking us to come back. If you, you know, you're college or maybe you're a boarding student, come back to in-person classes. You have to deal with the pandemic. You have to deal with racial injustice. Just, there's just a lot going on this semester. So I definitely feel you with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey just going through online art school really sucks. But I mean, what are you going to do? I go to a pretty old school, so it's really hard to accommodate everyone in a building with poor ventilation. So they're just like, oh, we don't take any risks. You guys can just stay home. You're on your computer all the time anyway. So, you know, in the future, are you just looking to keep designing? Like, do you have any, have you thought about like what you want to do with your future with graphic design or maybe just other uh, pieces of your life that you're passionate about? I um, I work two jobs right now, actually. Um, on top of working for Impact, I'm a, I have a part-time position. Not really, yeah, it's like part-time now, pretty non-committal at, um, at an ad agency. So I still do photo on the side. I do a bit of design work for them and uh, right now, I'm just riding it out, seeing where Impact takes me, and the other position at the ad agency, I've been there for two years now, so I'm kind of just holding it out, just seeing what, what goes, what happens, because before all this, I was a concert photographer, but then coronavirus hit, so I, I was out of work for probably like eight, nine months, and just, this has all happened, and it's been a wild ride, I'm just gonna see where life takes me. Not really trying to push myself to be someone I'm not. Mm -hmm. Just sort of going, you know, where the passion takes you. Just seeing, yeah, going with the flow. I like that. And before we end, I like to give all the guests that come to the Activist Podcast an opportunity to just say one thing at the end. It could be something that you wish you got to say. It could be a fun fact about yourself. Just literally anything to close out the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um... I'd really just like to say, um, be true to yourself. Um, it's like, you're not going to do anyone any favors by being someone who's performative. Like, do what you think is right. Like, do your research. Be a person that, like, you yourself are going to be proud of. Like, if you go to bed being like, damn, I just, I reposted this on my Instagram story, but, like, am I content with this? Just, like, I don't know. Really just be you yeah and i love that what a perfect way to end this and before we end another episode of the Athbiz podcast i want to give two huge shout outs the first one being to cody for coming on to this podcast and talking to us about their role as the head designer for the impact instagram account and what it takes to be a digital activist slash graphic designer in this age of digital media and of course, a second shout out goes out to all of you wonderful listeners. We are so thankful for all your support so far. 
stay tuned for more exciting things from activists. Until next time, stay passionate, stay motivated, and keep fighting the good fight, activist community.